Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Okay, everybody, so if you were listening yesterday, um, you would have heard towards the end of my segment of the podcast, the great uh, light bulb turning on in my head. I think it was probably um, during my podcast, I just got this um, deeper insight into the scriptures. I thought I had it. And then as I was actually going through the podcast with you guys, um, I got myself a a deeper insight into into Scripture when we were discussing the fact that through our faith in Jesus Christ, He... um, His Holy Spirit abides in us and we abide in Him. To me, that was so powerful and uh, for so many reasons. And um, so you got to hear it, and I hope it this this second this um, uh, second chapter of First John really affected you like it's affected me. And uh, believe it or not, um, McGee, in his study this morning, circled back and just wanted to talk about the second chapter of First John, and. He was calling it one of the great books of the Bible. I'm so glad he stopped there to take a time out and just reflect on this chapter because for me personally, it had such a big impact. So um, if you didn't hear yesterday's segment, go back if you want and listen to it. It was, to me, a great study. Um, But as McGee did today, he just hit some of the high points that that mattered to him, that meant a lot to him, and, and I'll do the same thing. Matali will probably do the same thing today. But just to re- recap a little bit on First John, First John has been talking about what I guess I'm going to refer to as the AAA. The AAA meaning he starts off with the attributes of Jesus Christ, then he's talking about the anointing that comes through Jesus Christ to us, And then he talks about the third A being this abiding relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. The attributes of Christ, the anointing of Christ, and the abiding of Christ. So this whole thing is talking about Christ. And um, 
So we'll start off with the first A, the attributes of Christ. He is saying when he first starts off in 1 John, then now we're back in chapter 1, he's talking about that Jesus Christ is the life of the world, the light of the world, and the love of the world. He's talking about Jesus Christ is life. You know, he was from the beginning with God. He was the Word, and then the Word becomes flesh. Jesus Christ is life itself. Jesus Christ is eternal life. And so it's a big um, fundamental um, concept here. Without Jesus Christ, there is no life. And as we, we saw and we've said it uh, time and time again, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus Christ is life itself in this world. Other than Jesus being in the world, the world is full of death. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. The prophets point to Jesus Christ. The New Testament is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about eternal life. It's all about saving our lives. Jesus is the life in this world. The life of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And again, these are attributes of Christ. And he's not talking about like personal attributes. These are like spiritual attributes. He's talking about Jesus Christ as life itself. He's talking about Jesus Christ as light itself that illuminates this dark world with his what? With his truth and with his purity, with his righteousness. That's what light does. It shines. Its presence completely changes the world. You can see, you have perspective, you understand. Without his light, without light being in the world, the world would just be dark. Life itself could not happen. His light is the only truth in this world. And if we don't accept that, we're walking in darkness. He is life itself. He is truth. He is the light of the world. And then He is the love of this world. There is no love in this world without His love. Why? Because it gives us access to God's love. His love is God's love personified. We see the example of God's love in this world through Jesus Christ. We see unconditional love. We see unconditional love for people who don't love back. It's easy to love somebody that loves you back. God's love is unconditional love. An undeserved love. That's what Jesus Christ lived out. It was pure. It was sincere. It was humble. It had no other motives. And it was unconditional. It was a transforming love. A transformative love. So he, he is the love in the world. And his love allows us to have the love of God in us. And then that love of God is meant 
to be given to one another. And he's talking about this love in this world that Jesus Christ personifies is the foundation for his commandment to us. And he says the, this new commandment, which is really an old commandment, is the basically love. He is love, and he commands us to love as he loves us, to love God and to love one another. And how does that look like? It looks like Christ's love. He doesn't, want, he doesn't call us to love selfishly or to love as we would love. He calls us to love as he would love. And that love looks like fellowship, forgiveness, and brotherly love. It's not a forced love. And it's not a love in word only. It's a love in deed as well. He is calling us to love one another as He loved us. He's calling us to love one another as ourselves. So the AAA here, the attributes of Jesus Christ, these are spiritual attributes. And He is calling us to the same spiritual attributes. So then the second A is this anointing that we hear about more. We They touch on it. He touches on it a little bit in, in the end of chapter 1. You know, whoever abides in Him is, is going to be abiding in His Word. But then in chapter 2, we get this anointing. Those who are in Christ are anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy One. And this anointing means being put on. And the, the Greek translation for anointing means... Um, putting on or charisma or character it's being it's putting on a quality that you really don't have yourself that's what this anointing alludes to now in the old testament when the when the priest had to go back into the holy of holy area to perform prayers and things like that to ask forgiveness they would have to be anointed. They would have to put on a quality, a holiness that they didn't have themselves. That was one of the Old Testament requirements of the law. But now we have a new anointing, an anointing by the Holy Spirit. In other words, every single believer in Christ is now anointed. You don't have to have a priest come up. You don't have to go to a special class, hear a special sermon, or say a special prayer. You get direct access to God, your Heavenly Father, who loves you more than you could ever know. And you're anointed by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy One. You have a direct anointing. And this Holy Spirit that anoints you is a teacher that teaches you and he says everything you need to know that means the gospel message number one is so simple you don't have to go to college to understand it you don't have to take a special class you don't have to be smart this is easy God's God's word God's gospel message is made so that everybody can understand it Believe in Jesus Christ. You don't even have to do anything. He's already done it. 
He's already laid down his life for you. He's already lived this perfect life to pay the price of your sins. John says he is the propitiation for your sins. In other words, he's the substitute for your sin. You get direct access to your Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He teaches you everything you need to know. In other words, you have the knowledge of Christ. And the knowledge of Christ is everything you need to know to live a good life, to live a, a holy life, to live a righteous life. Now you say, well, I can't do that. I'm just a, a regular person. Well, now His Holy Spirit has anointed you and lives inside you. So that fulfills Old Testament law. You are now holy. He's anointed you. And He dwells in you. You don't have to worry about going back to the holy of holy places and these special temples to access God. God's already accessed you. He lives inside you. You become the anointed holy temple. And He gives you this insight the Holy Spirit gives you. And that's what blew me away yesterday. Because I felt like as I was reading some of these verses, I just felt more peaceful about these these scriptures and I and it was right after I was reading that the Holy Spirit teaches us if we allow ourselves to stay in the word of God the Holy Spirit will stay in us if we ingest the word of God like it's food if we read it if we devour it if we if we partake of it it is in us. When it in, what's it, and if it's in us, it dwells in us. The Word of God is living, living and active. It's a living thing. So God says His Word is a living Word. It is Christ because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Then the Word becomes flesh. That's Jesus Christ. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. We take in the Word of God. We are taking in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lives in us. These are spiritual qualities of Christ. These are spiritual qualities. He is referred to as the life, the light, the love, the Word. These are all spiritual. That's what makes Jesus Christ more than a, a, a man. He became flesh. He became personified. But He's more than that. And in the third A, you know, we talked about the attributes. We talked about the anointing. And then this abiding, which just blew me away yesterday. This relationship that we have. When we believe in Christ, we get His attributes. When we believe in Christ, we get His anointing, His Holy Spirit. When we abide in, when we trust in Christ, we get His abiding relationship the abiding relationship that he had with his father we get to in other words Jesus was in the father the father was in him now when we abide in Christ Christ abides in us we abide in Christ and the father abides in us and we abide in the father we get that same relationship we abide in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit abides in us we get that same relationship with the Father 
that Jesus had with the Father. An abiding relationship. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And the thing that that is amazing to me is when you're abiding in Him and He's abiding in you, what that means is, is that you are abiding in Him. That means spiritually, your spirit is with the Father. Your spirit is with the Father in heaven. And it doesn't matter what's going on down here on earth. Your spirit is now with your Father. And when your spirit is with the Father, to me that was so comforting yesterday. Because, you know, you worry about all these things on, on, on earth and you worry about if you're going to be in some lonely hospital bed somewhere fighting for your life. And, and God's saying, well, that's your body, but I'm abiding in you. You're abiding in me. Your spirit is already with me. Your spirit is already with me in heaven. That is peace. The kingdom of heaven is now. And that gives you the ability to walk through life knowing that you're here, your Father in Heaven's abiding with you, but your spirit is abiding with Him in Heaven right now. He has you. You know, we always say that saying, I got your back. Well, He's got your soul. He's already. Ephesians tells us that He's given you already every spiritual gift in heaven is already yours, kept for you as a deposit already for all believers. We have that abiding relationship. He's in you, you're in Him. You're abiding with your Father already in heaven, and He's abiding with you right now. He's, your Heavenly Father is with you right now. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you right now so that you have the ability to walk through life. You have the ability to overcome whatever because He's abiding in you. It's the AAA of 1 John. The attributes of Christ, the spiritual attributes, the anointing of Christ, the Holy Spirit, in the abiding relationship of Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. It's this relationship that Jesus has with His Father that now becomes yours. That's knowing Christ is having that abiding relationship. He abides in you. You abide in Him. And as I was preparing for this study, I was looking at um, some uh, another study, and um, it was talking about Jesus facing hard times. And in John chapter 12, verse 27 through 28, Jesus is saying, when he's getting ready to have to go to the cross, he says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. 
Father, glorify your name. Jesus is saying, you know, he's asking rhetorically, what, what do I say at this point? Save me? He's going, no, uh, no, I, that's not what I'm asking. He says, this was the purpose I came into this world. I came to this hour, this specific hour. So Oswald Chambers, this was his study. He said Christ was praying to, to be saved, not from this hour. Christ was praying to be saved out of the hour. In other words, he wasn't praying he didn't have to go through something. He was praying that God's presence would save him as he walks through it. And the, the, one of the points that uh, Oswald Chambers was making here, and, and I'm going to sort of um, juxtapose the AAA in 1 John, the attributes of Christ, the anointing of Christ, the abiding relationship of Christ. I'm going to superimpose, you know, um, uh, juxtapose that AAA to the attributes of the world, the triple S, the sin, the sorrow, the suffering. So we got the AAA on one side, the triple S on the other, the sin of the world, the sorrow of the world, the suffering of the world. And Jesus Christ, we were talking about the attributes of Christ so Jesus faces the triple S. The triple A faces the triple S. And Christ was prayerful. As he faced the triple S of the world, Christ was in prayer. And we ought to emulate that as the attributes of Christ to be in prayer as he was. And how was Jesus praying? What was the insight? We can say, well, okay, I've got cancer, I'm going to pray. Or I've got a hard time, you know, or I've got sin in my life. Or, you know, I've had a death in the family or I'm going through a grieving period. You know, Christ was praying, I'm going to pray. Well, not only was Christ praying, we get a window into how Christ was praying. The AAA was in prayer as he goes through the triple S, right? So how was Christ praying? Christ was praying not to be saved from having to go to the cross. He was praying to be saved as he was going through the cross. And when we pray, we don't need to be praying to to not have sin or not have sorrow or not have suffering because sin, sorrow, and suffering are the attributes of this world. And it'd be silly for Christ to have prayed to avoid it. Christ didn't pray to avoid it. Christ prayed to be strong as he walked through it. And that's the example of to us, of how the attributes of Christ, the AAA, prayed as he dealt with the attributes of the world, the triple S. And as we deal with sin in our lives, we need to be praying that we can be strengthened as we deal with the sin in our own life. As we experience sorrow, and all of us will, we need to be praying for the strength 
as we walk through the sorrow that the Father is glorified by our faith in Him, as we depend on Him, as we go through our sorrowful times, and as we have to suffer for some reason, whether it's cancer, health reasons, or whatever, we don't need to be praying to have those conditions removed as Christ prayed. We need to be praying as Christ prayed that the Father in heaven would be glorified as we walk through these times. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you need to walk as I've walked. If you abide in me, you need to walk as I walk. So, when the AAA, and these are characteristics of, of Christ that he calls us to have as he abides in us, we need to deal with the sin, the sorrow, and the suffering of the world as he dealt with the sin and the sorrow and the suffering of the world. In prayer, and in dependency on the Father in heaven, in the, having the abiding relationship with the Father in heaven, knowing that we've been anointed, knowing that we have a teacher and an insight, knowing that we have the life, eternal life of this world in us, knowing that we are the light of this world, the truth of this world. The truth of this world is not the sin, the sorrow, or the suffering. The truth in this world, the light of this world is Jesus Christ. We have the love of this world to deal with the sin, the sorrow, the suffering. It is the love of God and the command to love one another that helps us with the spiritual wisdom, the spiritual insight as we handle the sin, the sorrow, the suffering of this world. We have the tools that we need. We have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, the relationship of God the Father in us and us in Him. And we have this comforting reassurance that our spirit is with our Father already in heaven as His Spirit from heaven, His Holy Spirit, is already in us. That's the abiding relationship we have. The attributes of Christ, the anointing of Christ, the abiding relationship of Christ help us deal as we pray to glorify our Father's name as we deal with the sin, the sorrow, the suffering, the triple S of this world. Jesus prayed to be saved not from the hour, but out of the hour. Wow. First John, such a powerful book. I hope this is insightful. God bless you all. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. I look forward to hearing what you have to say about this great, great study. God bless you all. We'll see you next time tomorrow. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 29. So Dr. J.V. McGee, you know, is using a method of moving ahead and, you know, the following day, going back and recapitulating what we uh, looked at the previous day. So it's more like he is, you know, setting the stage, you know, like he, he digs up the ground and all, and then the following day he lays the foundation. 
so that you know we can actually just um you know expand on what we talked about so now today we are recapitulating chapter two and in chapter two we saw that god is love and john made it clear that we can know that as god's children we can have fellowship with him in spite of the fact that we are weak and we are not perfect and we are feeble you know we are these imperfect children because the blood of jesus christ god's son keeps on cleansing us from sin so every day since we're not perfect we fall short of the glory of god and every day if we turn to him he keeps on cleansing us and he keeps on forgiving our sins so we have an advocate up there you know we have a mediator we have an advocate with the father who is on his right hand side today and that's the lord jesus christ so beginning um at verse 3 in chapter 2 of the book of first john you know we are looking at the um, the what is it called um you know the topic yeah um god is love because we looked at three major attributes of god that's god is life god is love and god is um life love and oh, wow oh, the other one just went out of my head um light yes god is light life god is light god is love and god is life <clears throat> so here we're looking at the second major division of this study that is god is love and this is um the heart of this book and this is um you know yeah the core and heart of this epistle and it's divided like so um how the children may have fellowship with each other and this is by walking in love and the little children are called today to live a different kind of life so they have now um, been given a new nature they can live for god and this is the test um that we are given as you know children of god that's obedience obedience is the test whether we have it or not do we have are we obedient unto god so john made it clear that if we keep his commandments and his word that his word means we are willing to act, to go even farther than anything he has commanded so obedience is therefore the test of life so if we love god we are obedient and we keep his commandments so that's the test of um a child of god so there is a difference between law and grace um that is actually brought out here so the law said if a man will do he shall live so you if you follow like these are the instructions you know live by this but grace is the opposite of this if a man lives he will do so if you have christ in you and um you know you have faith you will do so that is um, he must have life from god so god gives us eternal life then you know our works of faith will show so you know if we have life from god before um we can actually live for god and you know he man um by the old nature can't live for god and this is the radical difference between law and grace so the law says do but grace says believe and live so it's uh, a different approach to the same goal so that we have the same goal is uh, to be obedient unto god and to be pleasing unto him um but 
you know, the law is do this, do that. But grace is, um, you know, you know, we have life. And if we, when we have life, then we do. So, and the only difference is law never actually worked for man because of our old nature. It can't. Man is just a rule breaker. We can't follow laws. Because even the laws in, of our own country, you know, the speeding limit says, you know, drive at 60 miles per hour. We want to drive at 80 miles per hour because what? We're late or because we just can't. Because that's just our old nature, right? So law never worked because of our nature, which makes it impossible to actually please God as we are all not perfect. We are weak, we're feeble, we're all not perfect. So if you are a child of God, you have a new nature. So because you're born again, so you have a new nature to actually please God, to actually want to please God. That is our nature as children of God. So you can't, you know, talk of having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and other believers and live in sin it's just not possible if you're a child of god if you're a child of god you're going to be miserable in sin if you're you know if you commit sin you're going to be guilty and miserable so you can't run with the devil's crowd as dr jv mcgee put it you know for uh six days and then on san and sunday you want to walk with god's children you're not gonna fit into that crowd at all okay so um, let me just turn to the book of Proverbs. And that's Proverbs. Um, Proverbs. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 28, verse 13 reads. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. So you know, though we know that the blood of um, Christ covers us from all sin, we can't keep um, living in uh, living and walking in sin, uh, and you know, at the same time, expect to have fellowship with God, because you know, you have believers today who say, you know, what I'm saved, I'm a believer, and all, but they keep on living in sin, and it's okay because they want to adapt to the modern morality of things. So if we have a life that commends the gospel it's another assurance that is given to us so if we're living our lives you know that's according to the gospel that's an assurance assure assurance that um you know we are saved and we are his children so knowing that you know you are saved and um you know having eternal security of a believer are not the same thing so Assurance and having security as a believer, these are two different things. They are not synonymous, though they are actually related. So Jesus Christ said, my sheep hear my voice. And if you're his sheep, you will hear his voice. And it's not actually boasting or showing off that, you know what, um, I have that assurance that I'm saved. When you say you know you're saved, um, you're saying that... Um, you have, you know, a wonderful savior, a shepherd um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like he is our savior who died for us. When you say you are actually saved, you have that assurance because you're living a life that is actually commending the gospel. So that assurance deep down is within us. Um, even if you stumble and fall, as long as you get up and you feel guilty and bad about it and you go back to God and cry out to him and say, you know what, I have fallen, I have stumbled, God, forgive me. So... 
we look at verse 21 of first john chapter 2 that's where we'll um uh we'll begin to read our scripture from and here it says i have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth so here we dwell on the last part of um, the chapter the last few verses of chapter 2 so John here is saying that he's not writing something new it's not new to these people they already knew the gospel so he's writing to them for two reasons the first reason is to encourage them and then the second reason is to warn them because there was false teaching going on in that day verse 22 goes on to read who is a liar he who denies that Jesus is the Christ he is antichrist who denies the father and the son so here all lies are actually summed up in one who is the prince of lies and that is the devil there is coming a man that's actually satan's man and he is the liar the king of liars and he is identified as the one who actually denies jesus is the christ so he is antichrist so the mark of the Antichrist is one that actually denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23 reads, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you can't actually deny Jesus Christ and accept God. The Word of God won't let you do that at all. The one who denies the Lord Jesus Christ is the Antichrist, the liar. And the one who... And the one you deny... Um, and the one um and you know sorry and when you actually deny one you actually deny the other um i remember a while back a couple of months back you know we were having lunch in our our staff canteen and you know i found a discussion among my work my 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 uh, fellow uh, fellow like uh, what's this workmates yeah and uh you know one of them made a very weird statement which i found weird and i chose like you know I'm, i i chose not to say anything i was just like listening in so he was like you know what i i i'm i'm a christian i believe in uh you know all doctrines and christianity and all but what i don't believe in you know uh, and and christians always want to argue this point out is the whole story of jesus christ and his immaculate birth you know he was born from a virgin mary that's not even possible you know like you know these are just stories that they actually just tell so you know i was sitting at, like i didn't have a point of argument that was before way before we actually did first john i didn't it was odd i just didn't have the words to actually point out but now that um you know we're in first john and he's saying you know the one who actually denies the lord jesus christ denies the father as well so you can't accept one and deny the other scripture won't let you because uh jesus christ is god the son so he was god in the flesh when he came down here on earth so now um here that i am reading this you know it just takes me back and i'm thinking you know what um Antichrist. The Antichrist is one who denies, um, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, you know, Jesus is the Christ, and also, which means they also deny um, the Father who sent him. So, verse 24, okay, reads, Therefore, let 
that abide in you which you heard from the beginning if you want if what sorry if what you heard from the beginning abides in you you also will abide in the son and in the father okay so this is what they actually heard from the very beginning so john is saying this is not new you heard this from the very beginning when paul the apostle began to preach the gospel so john says if you abide in him and um abiding him in him means you are actually obedient to him and to his teachings and uh what to do uh and you sorry and you actually want to do that which is pleasing to god and this is the evidence that you're a child of god verse 25 reads and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life so the only life offered by god is eternal life if you actually lose it you lose life which means you never had eternal life so god promises us eternal life verse 26 these things i have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you so here those who try to in other translations seduce it's the same thing as deceive and to seduce is try to live try to you know take um you know lead astray from the truth try to lead someone astray from the truth so it's 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 the physical context of it is almost the same as the spiritual context of the word um, seduce. So, you know, and the physical context context is, you know, to seduce someone is to lead someone, you know, astray from their morals and their principles and things like that. And in the spiritual um, context is, it's the same thing. You try to seduce somebody away from um, the spiritual things um, that the gospel is preaching about and lead them astray into committing spiritual adultery verse 27 goes on to read but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you so here the word anointing means to smear on to take an ointment and smear it on um you know as believers what does anointing mean so in the old testament in Israel God had the priests anointed with oil and it indicated in a physical way that they were um <clears throat> they were um spiritually induced by the holy spirit to actually perform uh, certain functions and it's the same thing that um it actually means today so the anointing which you have received today so that is we have received an anointing of God when we are saved of God one of the things that the spirit of god does for us is he anoints us to actually understand divine truth so he helps us see so this is why we ask for the anointing of the holy spirit to indwell in us so um he actually anoints us to see the divine truth which we couldn't understand and see before um and here it goes on to read sorry let me just read again um and you do not need anyone to teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as if as it has taught you you will abide in him right so this means that there has been given to us an anointing where uh, we are able to actually understand all truth 
because the natural man doesn't receive the things of the spirit they are foolishness to him they don't receive the things of the spirit of god and neither can he know them because they haven't received that anointing of the holy spirit so god has revealed all truths to his children by his spirit so when we're anointed with the holy spirit when we are saved by when we are saved of god um you know the the spirit of god um anoints us in order for us to actually understand and that's the holy spirit helps us to understand um the truths of um of a uh, scripture so um you know god has revealed all the truths to us his children by his spirit and this is the anointing of the holy spirit for a believer verse 28 goes on to read and now little children so here little children again you know it's um little children uh abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming so you know in this whole book it's made clear that although we may have an anointing we don't know when jesus christ is coming you know even if you know all the truths have been revealed to us when we have that anointing of the holy spirit no one knows when jesus christ is coming and only he knows and this is the one thing he actually has reserved for himself why so that you know when he shall appear we shall have confidence uh, and not be ashamed before him as his um at his coming you know it's more like um it's more like a test um you know because god wants us perfect he won't accept anything imperfect so it's more like a test instead of people pretending um you know once they actually know like okay you know uh, the lord jesus christ is coming at such and such a date such and such a time and all and people are just going to be ready and prepared and you know it's not going to be like true faith um so he wants us to every day live for him um instead of you know wait for just that one day and say oh the lord jesus christ is coming today let's be like good little boys and girls and children you know so that when he appears because we've actually been doing uh things that commend the gospel and things that are pleasing to him we have been obedient to him we may be confident uh when he actually comes and and not be ashamed before him at his coming so a christian should live in the light of the imminent coming of christ we should live every day like christ is coming so we should always be vigilant and ready. If Christ came today, he'll find me uh, doing through the Bible um, and, you know, studying his word and meditating upon it and, you know, gaining full knowledge of it. So every day we should live, you know, in the light of his imminent coming. We should live every day like Christ is coming. So verse 29 goes on to read, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So God's children look like the Father. You know, it's like, you know, if, if I put it in our modern day application today. Um, you know, when a child is born, obviously they're going to look like their parents. You know, like, oh, they will have features of, you know, oh, this child has the dad's eyes or, uh, you know, the dad's nose and stuff like that. So God's children, they look like the Father. They take after the Father. And if they don't take after the Father, they must not be His children at all. So we would want to do what's pleasing to God and take up our father if we don't it's more like the prodigal son um 
you know, the prodigal son, yes, he was a prodigal son. He lived in the pig pen, but he did not continue living in there because he wanted to take, he wanted to go back to his father's house because he is not a pig. Um, you know, a pig lives in the pig pen. A child of God goes back and lives in the father's house. It's just as clear as that. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.